All right, Brandon, let's turn to Genesis 46. I'm thankful the Lord's given me an infirmity, a mild infirmity. Oh, man, it's better for you. I think this will be, I kept <clears throat> bullion. It says better than bullion. It's the same as any other <laughs> I think this will be better than bullion to you. I pray so. I do. I earnestly pray God will take us on a trail of tears today. Allow us to see that. That's the title of the message, A Trail of Tears. That's what we're going to see. Everybody's going to cry. <clears throat> Every man, woman, and child ever come from Adam, we're going to weep. It's either going to be in this life or it's going to be after. It's going to be one or the other. And I pray God breaks somebody's heart today and make them weep. Make them weep. I want to look, look at that journey that the brethren of Joseph took. And, and when they started getting a little bit convicted of sin, we maybe we done something wrong. And then we've sinned against our brother. And then there's a bunch of weeping on their part, weeping on Joseph's part. And then Joseph and Jacob are reunited, and they fall on one another's necks, and they weep a, a good while. There's long weeping. Comparing Scripture with Scripture, I'd say it took about 30 minutes. <laughs> Nobody spoke. Nobody spoke. I read a bulletin this morning, bulletin article from Don Fortner, and he, was speak, he said, Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb, not because he was weak, unbelieving, or discontent with divine providence, but because he was and is a real man, touched with the feeling of our infirmities, moved by that which moves us. He wept with his weeping friends because he felt and shared their grief and sorrow. Jesus wept, didn't he? The Lord here in Genesis 46, the Lord had spoke to Jacob. He says in verse 3, he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Remember us looking at that? Lord, every time he healed those blind people, it's Joseph's a picture of Christ. He touched their eyes. Lord said, this is going to happen to you, <laughs> Jacob. So Jacob had a response to the Lord's ability. Verse 5, And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, and their little ones, and their wives, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods, and which had gotten in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him to Egypt. We have a genealogy from there down of Jacob. And we could spend a lot of time on the names and what they mean. And as religion says, we could have a word study on all these things. But I want to sprint I want to run as fast as I can to Christ and what he does for sinners. That's what I want to do. Verse 26, Genesis 46, verse 26. All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's 
sons' wives, all the souls were threescore and six. And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob, which came to Egypt, were threescore and ten. Some cut this, that's 66 people. Now, if we count those, it's seven. Well, if you count the two, that's Joseph's sons, it's 72. And when we find, I think we finally got the numbers sorted. Stephen tells us in Acts 7 that there was 75 of them. <laughs> we can deal with that another day. But for later on, we'll look at the end. There's an accounting of what Jacob knew about. That's what I thought was precious. I can look at them, I count them. And, they, and there was an accounting of what he didn't know about. There's some that the Lord had he didn't even know. There's, he had two grandchildren there. Didn't even know about him. Didn't even know Jacob or Joseph was alive for a long time, 23 years. When we arrive in glory, there's going to be brethren there we didn't even know about. What this is here in, in chapter 46, this is a picture of believers finally going home. When this this trial of life, when the Lord's come to us and abounded towards us and showed us our sin, and then we have trials in this life, and we mourn in this life, and we have a hard time, finally that's over. And we see him face to face. We see this, this, this trail that we're walking on, this life, and it's from him calling us, the trials, and to us going to glory. Verse 28, Genesis 46, 28. And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. You see the gospel in that verse? Judah was sent before them, that, that line of the tribe of Judah, our forerunner, to bring them to the land of Goshen. Judah, the celebrated one. Goshen, the very best land. A place prepared only for the family of Joseph. Verse 29, and Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen and presented himself unto him and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Is this about a, a man being reunited with his father and they had a warm fuzzy? Moses wrote this, didn't he? What does the Lord say? He said, you believe Moses, you'd believe me. If you really believe Moses, you'd believe me. He said, for he wrote of me. He wrote of me. This is a picture of our Lord. He fell on his neck and he wept a good while. Our God is a God of emotions. Now, now hear me. May God make you hear. He is. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, it's mentioned of all of them, they have emotions. The Scriptures say that they love. The Scriptures say that they are angry. It says that he laughs, and they sigh. They have pity. They weep. They rejoice. They hate. Would, would to God this generation get a hold of that. God's angry with the wicked every day, and they smile. And our God's a jealous God. It ain't good to be jealous. Yeah, but righteous jealousy. <laughs> that ain't good either. Who says? God said he's a jealous God, didn't he? This Jesus of religion 
Some dude named Jesus is so sissified, it's pathetic. He's wringing his hands and begging and pleading and wishing and, and, and just pretty please wanting people to do things. That's not the God of the Bible. That's a false God. And we reject those things, but it's so easy to reject that all the way to the other end of the spectrum, isn't it? And we think that God's some stoic statue that's not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That he's so cold and rigid in its dead letter doctrine. That's what the Lord said to that one servant in Luke 19, wasn't it? He said, that servant said, you're an austere man. I said, oh, really? <laughs> hmm. If we have a new heart put in us, if God saves somebody and he puts a new heart in us, we're going to have emotions. And we're going to have the emotions of our Lord, whose heart it is that put that heart of flesh in us. We're going to delight to show mercy. We're going to be long-suffering. We're going to rejoice. We're going to weep. We're going to smile. And we're going to hate sin. And we're going to laugh. We're going to have some enjoyment. We're going to have compassion. I, I knew a believer that had a dog that died one time. And I heard somebody else get on to him, And they said, believers don't get upset over dogs dying. Where did you get that from? Where did, where did that, that one that said that, where did they get that from? Do you know what God's word says? There in Proverbs 12, verse 10. His word says, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. My experience tells me that to be true. I look at that dog, little Lola's up there, scared all the time, biting when I ought not bite. And I just think, that's, that's me, terrified, helpless. And the Lord had compassion on me. And that makes me regard the life of my beast. Do you get that? That's what his word says, and that's what this believer's experience declares. People ought not correct that way, should they? They ought to do it according to the word of God. I hope I can do that. I do the best I can to refrain from emotions while preaching. I really do. It's hard sometimes. It's hard. Mostly I want to rejoice. A lot of times I have pity. I look people in the eye when I preach to them. And I try my best not to weep. Because I don't want you to see my emotions or be affected by that. I want the, the, the Lord's emotion to affect you. But emotions do not mean life. Esau wept bitterly, didn't he? Judas wept bitterly. The tears don't mean nothing. But if there is life, there will be emotion. Some show up more than others, but it's just so. If we love the Lord, we have a new heart. We're going to have emotion. We will weep. How could we not? How could we not? We see what we are, what he's done for us, the compassion he's had. How could we not weep? If there's love there, it will. It will. Well, mourn over what we are. Mourn over our sin. If we love, we will. Some won't. Our Lord spoke of that too. He says, it's like the children in the market. We've popped and you ain't danced. We've mourned and you ain't cried. Those that followed our Lord, two women, a great company of people and women came and they bewailed and lamented him. They wept bitterly as our Lord went to that cross. And he said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. I'm the king. 
You think this happened by accident? You think somebody pulled the wool over my eyes? I'm in control every bit of this. Don't you weep for me. This is, this is the king winning the battle, winning the war. Don't you weep for me. He said, you weep for yourselves and for your children. He said, the day's coming when they're going to say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. And they shall be begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. You weep for those that don't know me. And you weep for yourselves because you're stuck in this world and you're stuck in this body of sin. Cry over that. Kevin, that ain't right. God just said it. <laughs> Go read it. It's in Luke 23. <laughs> You'll cry over something, cry over that. He said so. I emailed myself. That's how I keep notes when I'm walking or traveling or whatever. So I don't forget things. I put a stoic arrival as a subject. I'd sent y'all pictures years ago of uh, whenever I come back from deployment and Johanna's a little baby. And she was crying, and she didn't know me. I was a stranger, and she was weeping. And I was weeping, too, and I grabbed a hold of her and kissed her and hugged her and held her tight. I didn't care if she didn't like it. I loved her. I showed you that picture. I sent it to you, didn't I? And I thought of that whenever I come back. There was some weeping. If I had arrived home from that deployment and Kimberly said, you are here, you were not here before, but you're here now. You are on time. You arrived on the flight you said you were going to arrive on. We will now take a motorized carriage. She's speaking old English, so it sounds fancy, right? We will now take a horseless carriage to our dwelling and abode. We will prepare a three-course meal. I will watch the evening pass with you. If that's how she greeted me when I come back, I'd turn around and go back to war. <laughs> Wouldn't you? That's just cold and dead, isn't it? You know, love there. That's just routine. And check the block. That's right, that's right, that's right. And that's dead as a gun barrel too, isn't it? Hmm. Turn over to Genesis 42 a little bit. Let's look at this big picture. How these brothers of Joseph were prepared, brought to repentance, and brought through a trial, and brought home all the Lord's providence. And We must shed some tears of repentance. God must work this in us, and I pray he does today to somebody. Genesis 42, verse 7. Genesis 42, 7. And Joseph saw his brethren. This is when they came there because of the famine in the land. Came to Egypt. Joseph saw his brethren. He knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and he spake roughly unto them. He said unto them, Which come ye? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. Isn't that a picture of our Lord? He knew us and we didn't know him. I know some people just known God from birth and that's too long. They've just been saved forever. Hmm. That's your John the Baptist. I don't. Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Look down verse 23. Genesis 42, 23. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake to them by an interpreter. They didn't know he spoke Hebrew. He'd speak in the language of the Egyptians. And he turned himself about from them, and he wept. And he wept. Do you remember our Lord said, this is written about him. Why did Joseph weep? Why do we weep for our wayward families? Why do, we, why do you weep for your children that don't know God? Why? I know the pain I went through 
if the Lord's pleased to break the heart of someone I love, I, I weep for joy, but I weep for their pain too. And, and I weep for his mercies, how great he is. Have you ever heard, you think that's all over this nation? You ever heard a non-believer pray that the Lord's just rough on his children? I pray the Lord's rough on my children. I pray he breaks their hearts. You pray that the Lord breaks your children's heart? I mean, crush them. Be hard on them. Speak roughly to them. Show them what they are. Then reveal yourself to them. That's called Lord saving somebody. They have to be showed what they are, ain't they? Pray he crushes them. That's not harsh. You know, when, when Joseph spake, I told you that before when we was there, when Joseph spake roughly to his brethren, that's not harsh. That's loving. That's loving. That's great mercy. They go back home and they tell Jacob they got to bring their youngest brother Benjamin. So they did. And here in chapter 43, verse 15. Genesis 43, 15. And the, <clears throat> the men took that present and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready for these men shall dine with me at noon. I'm going to break bread with them, those that I've gathered and it's going to be in my house. Does that say somebody else's living room? They should bring them to my house. We're going to break bread together. That's what it says, isn't it? And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men unto Joseph's house, the house of God. Come, eat. <laughs> Come, drink. Not go. Not hang out all by yourself and be, lit, be warmed by your own fire. Come. Come. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time we were brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house, and they said, Oh, sir. It's so easy to read through this. And you think there's emotion when they said that? They came to that representative of Joseph, and they said, Oh, sir. Oh, sir. We came indeed down the first time to buy food, and it came to pass when we came into the inn that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, and our money of full weight. And we have brought it in again in our hand. We, we brought that back to you. And other money we brought in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put the money in our sacks. So We don't know the full extent of it, but what do we confess to men? The doctrine of election, or that I'm guilty and God saves sinners. I don't know my full guilt. I really don't. But, but we're all guilty. All flesh is grass. And we need him. And he said, verse 23, who said? The steward did, right? What's he a steward of? Nothing's changed. People talk about stewardship. I had a man get on to me one time about stewardship because I showed him my chicken coop. God says we got to be good stewards. Uh, you know what God says about stewardship? It says we are stewards of the mysteries of God and we're stewards of the manifold grace of God. And you know what's required of a steward? That he's faithful. Not that he has a ministry that lasts at least 10 years. Not that he baptizes at least 25 people. Not that he's got a good run or he's very uh, articulate in expressing things. 
It's required of a steward that he's faithful. That's what I want to be. I want to be faithful. Here's what that faithful steward did, verse 23. And he said, peace be unto you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. What, what does that faithful steward say? Behold your God. Look to him. Look to him. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out to them. He freed their brother. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender, fed them. And they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon. For they heard that they should eat bread there. They brought a present to Joseph at that dinner. You get that. Here, I mean, this is the, the head honcho that's over everything. Wealth unimaginable. And they're going to bring him a present. That's offensive to most people, wouldn't it be? But if it's brethren, if it's brethren, I've got some paintings. Somebody could offer me $10 or they could offer me $10 million. I don't care, you ain't getting them because I know the one that painted them. That's special to me. My, my children gave me gifts before, and those gifts are precious to me because they're my family and I love them. You understand that? What do you think Joseph thought about that present, that unmentioned present? That's You shouldn't have. Thank you. Keep it, put that up on a mantle for later. Verse 26, And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand of the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spake, is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and they made obeisance. They bowed down and worshiped. They didn't have a lot of understanding yet. It was starting, wasn't it? And he lifted up his eyes, Joseph did, and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. He wanted to see his brother that one born of his mother, that one that's bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and his bowels yearned within him. Benjamin didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Aren't we thankful? You think that's thankful for Joseph? Are we thankful for our Lord, whose bowels yearn for his brethren? Chapter 44 is the trial. That cup of Joseph, he had to put it in Benjamin's sack, and then the search party came. He said, you, you all go on home and go get your father. And they put that cup in Benjamin's sack. He said, you go hide that. And then you go search him, and you find that in Benjamin's sack. That search party came. They inspected. What was that? That's a picture of the law, isn't it? We're found wanting, ain't we? Look here in Genesis 44, verse 11. Genesis 44, 11. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. They said, you, you go through all our stuff. You find this thing. You kill whoever it is that has it. And they brought their sacks down to be inspected. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. 
That's what we see here is Benjamin depicts with Christ. When we see that our guilt, that our sin is found on our brother who was the least, least esteemed. That was just their baby brother. They didn't think much of him, did they? Just little old Benjamin, mama's boy. When all of our guilt, we see our guilt put on. When we see it's causing me, he was nailed to that cross. We rent our clothes. What's that? We tear off our righteousnesses. Everything I thought was good in me gets ripped off. We repent in sackcloth and ashes. We say, I did that. I, he did that for me, but that's because of me. There's wailing in there. And what we do, we flee to the king. That's a hard thing to go. There's, there's snot involved, but we flee to the king, don't we? There's true repentance. True repentance. That's when we truly weep, isn't it? When we see what we are and we see who he is. Judah speaks on behalf of the other brethren there in verse 18. Genesis 44, 18. And Judah then came near unto him and said, Oh, my Lord, let thy servant pray. I pray thee speak a word in my Lord's ear and let not thine anger burn against thy servant. For thou art even as Pharaoh. I thought that's Judah's doing it. <laughs> that repentance is the Lord's doing. That's Christ's doing. Then in Genesis 45, verse 1. Joseph could not refrain himself when he saw this true repentance, this true guilt. Could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried and caused every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, and Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Everybody heard. Everybody heard. Everybody knew something happened. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Is this real? This got to be too good to be true. Do, do we know what enmity we were? Do, I was at war. We threw you in a pit and sold you. And, and faked your death to our father and lied to him for 23 years. And you're going to be this kind to me and call me a brother and not an enemy? And know what Paul wrote about there in Romans 5? He said, God commended his love towards us, that compassion, that love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 4, And Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you, come near. And they came near. And he said, I'm Joseph, your brother. Not your judge, not your jury, not your executioner. I'm your brother whom ye sold in Egypt. Verse 5, let's read it. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years had the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. It's been bad, it's going to get worse. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The Lord did this. This is the foreknowledge of God. This is his determinate counsel at work. Why are we here? Why are we on this earth? So God could save his people and receive all the glory for it. That's an easy answer, isn't it? <laughs> Mankind's writing books, palm books about it. Well, then Joseph, he sent them to go fetch Jacob. 
Pharaoh said, you take some wagons with you. Remember that? The witnesses in the wagons come to Jacob. Genesis 45, verse uh, 25. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan and Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph's yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to hit, carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. <laughs> All things are made possible by God. He sent this providence. And Israel said, it's enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go see him before I die. Now, in chapter 46, <clears throat> they journeyed. Joseph arose like we read in the beginning and went to, to, towards Egypt. The Lord said he's going to be with them. And he sent Judah out ahead to bring him in the land of Goshen be their eyes. And here in chapter 46, verse 27. And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob, which came to Egypt, were threescore and ten. Jacob didn't know he had two grandchildren there. This is a picture of us going home. When this life's over, we, we go to see our Lord face to face, our, our Savior, our kinsman redeemer. We see him as he is. We're, we know as we are known. That's what this is showing. And there's two babies there they didn't even know about. There's been some people that's had miscarriages. That's a blessing. The Lord gave you a believing child, didn't he? David's son, he experienced that with his son. He said, I, he can't come to me, but I can go where he is. And through that, we see... Lord may be pleased. I was down there this week and I saw the sands of the sea. And the Lord says, He because my people are like more than the sands of the sea. Now, He said it. That's a lot, isn't it? All those abortion clinics all around this nation. Should we go out and pick at them? It's evil. They mean it for evil, but they might be some believers that show up to glory and they see some of their aborted children there and say, Lord, save me. <laughs> he just brought his children home. Makes us bow to him and not be so fiery and fighting, fighting evil, isn't it? Lord, fight your battles for you. And he sent Judah, verse 28, before him and Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph made ready his chariot. His chariot. How did they all get there? How was it that Jacob got to Goshen? On wagons, right? Does it say that Joseph made ready his wagon? It says he made ready his chariot. And went up to meet Israel, his father. For us to go through this life, the days are so long and the years are so short, isn't it? We're on this wagon that the Lord sent to bring us to him. And it just seems so slow, doesn't it? He comes to us hastily on a chariot. Revelation 22, 20 says, Surely I come quickly. That's the last thing we've recorded of him saying. He comes quickly. That's what we read for our scripture reading. That prodigal son come home, and that father, he was a great way off. He saw him, and he had compassion. He wasn't waiting like we wait, like, I hope he comes. <laughs> That's not what the Lord does. He knows he's, draw he's the one drawing him, patiently waiting. And he ran and fell on his neck. That's what Ephesians 1 we read. It said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and in prudence 
having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself? Joseph come to him in a chariot, hot and in a hurry. That prodigal son's father ran. That Holy Spirit abounds towards us at just the right time. What does it say there in Genesis 22 after? Even so, Jesus come. <laughs> Verse 29. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him, and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. A good while. You know, turn over to Revelation 21. I want, I want you to look at this. Revelation 21. We read in Revelation 8, it said when that seventh seal is open, there's going to be silence in heaven for a space of about a half hour. We may be weeping a good while, maybe a half hour. Revelation 21, look at verse 4. I just wonder if this is what takes place in that half hour. Revelation 21, 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Well, what's in their eyes for him to wipe away? Tears. There's tears there, and he's going to wipe them away. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. There'll be no more, no tears in heaven. Right? I don't care what Eric claps and says. There ain't no tears in heaven. No more crying. But he's going to wipe away their tears. There might be 30 minutes there. We're going to, a good long while, we're going to fall on his neck and just weep. No words spoken. Jacob didn't say nothing to, Israel, to Joseph, and Joseph didn't say nothing to Jacob. He just fell on his neck and wept a good while. There'll be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. And you know what's... What's so selfish of me I'm not going to feel any more pain. But bless God, I won't cause any more pain. Don't that hurt you? Don't that make you weep? The pain that you caused, the pain I've caused to others, that ain't going to be a possibility. It just, it ain't going to be a possibility. There'll be no more sin, no more crying, no more pain. I ain't going to get hurt. I ain't going to hurt you. You ain't going to hurt me. I won't be hurt. Is that worth weeping over? He's good, isn't he? God, do we deserve it? <laughs> That's called grace. We don't deserve it. Unmerited favor. Boy, who's, who's a God like our God? Remember that parable of the wedding feast? That's, that's the last time we'll cry. We'll cry all through this life. We'll have tears of joy and tears of pain, tears of sorrow, tears of rejoicing. We'll have all those things. And then that, that, that day comes, we'll close our eyes and instantly be with the Lord, and we may fall on his neck. I, I, that's just what his word says, and that's what he's revealed to me. We may fall on his neck and weep a good while for 30 minutes as he holds us and just wipes our tears away, and then that's it. Never another tear. Our tears ended. And those that don't dance when we sing, and those that don't mourn whenever we mourn and they don't weep when we weep and this isn't special to them it's just factual their crying is going to start and it ain't never going to end that's a difference Lord said several times throughout the New Testament several times in Matthew alone 
But he told that king's servant, he said, that one servant, you bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called. This gospel goes out. Come. That's calling, isn't it? Come. Cast the net. Come to Christ. Leave all your stuff. Leave all your righteousnesses and all your good decisions. And you finding Christ and you doing this and you doing that. Knock that off and come to him and bow. Make obeisance. Many are called. Lord only sends wagons for a few. Few are chosen. That's what that means. That's a context. Many are called, few are chosen. Do you know that? The weeping. Some's going to weep here and then never weep again, and others are just going to start weeping. I pray the Lord will bring us on that trail of tears through his providence. Come to us. Show us what we are. Show us his just tenderness, not his stoic, cold, dead letter statue he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities he, he we can come to him bring our, our sorrows to him and our needs to him he'd break our hearts now instead of an eternity of breaking hearts and then oh how precious that'll be if he does that how precious that'll be the day when this life's over that's i i look forward to preaching the funeral of believers i do that's a joyous occasion. That's all the bad stuff's over. <laughs> They're just starting. Isn't that good? We weep for us. We'd be sad and miss folks and all that. But I was thinking about my parents the other day. I miss them. But I ain't miserable. I just got to see them later. And just like whenever Jacob got there, he knew Joseph was his son. And they said, these are your grandchildren. He said, well, I know them now. We'll know one another. We will. What, what happened on Mount Transfiguration? And they said, well, that's Moses and that's Elias. Well, that was hundreds of years. How'd they know? We're going to know. I know that's my wife. I know, I know her. She's Kimberly. I won't be husband and wife with her no more, and we'll be okay with that. Did you know that? There'll be, be many there we didn't think was going to be there, and many not there we thought would be, and we'll praise God for them. That's a miracle too, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? How? I don't know. He said so, and I believe him. Don't you? Oh. Brother Mike.